another episode of Five Pumpkin. This is episode number 15. And, um, yeah. It's been a journey to get here. I've had a long week. I feel like I've always had long weeks. But, um, today there are a lot of people sick in my house. And I'm really considering going to the ER, if necessary, in the morning. If some things don't shake out the way they need to tonight. So, but I was like, you know what? I have a podcast to record. I'm doing the Lord's work here. I'm talking about Danny Bonaducci and other niche uh, reality TV content. And I just, listen, damn damn the, the sick kids. I got shit to do. I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, there are a lot of sick people in my house right now. And everyone's asleep now. Um, I've recorded this intro like 50 million times because... One, I didn't realize you could hear my husband snoring voraciously in the background. Uh, some kids got up. I also said some shit I don't want to be on a on a podcast. So yeah, this is this intro has taken a lot of tries to get <laughs> to where the, you guys can hear it. Um, in terms of in terms of show news, um, I did a bonus episode this week about AJ and the Queen. It is a Netflix series starring RuPaul and a little girl with a lot of like liquid in her mouth. She's she sounds she sounds like she's got marbles in her mouth or spit or something. She sounds like she and a shea a lot. Um, and I talked about the things I liked and a lot of things I did not like about it. So if you are a Patreon supporter, make sure you listen to that. Um, if you're not a Patreon supporter, it's only a buck a month, and you're you'll help me keep this podcast going, keep the lights on, be able to continue to record. Um, so please go to patreon.com backslash buy pumpkin. And if you can't be a Patreon supporter, you can still give me a five-star review and that'll still help the pod too. For anybody out there looking for a new podcast that maybe doesn't know that they want to hear about Danny Bonaducci every week, you giving a, a five-star review will help them with that. I also had some people, um... Sponsor some bonus episodes. You'll start seeing them soon if you're a Patreon supporter. Um, If you want to sponsor a bonus episode, if there's something you really, 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 really want me to talk about, um, it's 20 bucks. Just Venmo me at Princess Jones Curtis and tell me what you want me to talk about, and I'll let you know when it'll be up. Um, I think that's everything. I think that's everything. I'm feeling a little, like, off, a little ditzy right now. I... I've been feeling that way all week. I think I'm just tired. I think that's what it is. Um, At one point, I was so exhausted. I went to bed, and my husband was on my side of the bed. But I looked at him and thought, oh, wait, am I already in the bed? Is that my body over there? Am I out of my body? And then I was like, oh, no, that's your husband, you dummy. (laughs) And it only took a few seconds. That's a long time to be like, oh, no, I'm not with my body. I'm just tired and... Like I said, the kids being sick, um, I spent a lot of weird work shit, and um, one of the places I get money from is laying off a bunch of people, and it's really hard um, to deal with that. And also, like, my new placements are, so there's a meme that goes around in foster and adoptive Facebook groups, and it basically just explains that, like, um, a child may be 10 years old, especially a child from care who's been through a lot of trauma, may be 10 years old, but but experientially, through their experiences they've had, are in their 30s. Like, they've gone through things that 
you can't even imagine. But emotionally, they're like three years old because they're not being allowed. They they can't develop in a way that someone with like stable surroundings and a home can do. And so, and that's absolutely right. And so my new placements, um, I really like them. They're such sweetie peeties, but they are also stretching in terms of the skills that I have. Like I'm learning new stuff every day and I'm going through new experiences that I haven't even had in foster care. Like lots of foster parents have to put um, door alarms on bedroom doors to notify you if a child has left the room. And I've never had to do that. And and this is the first time I've had to. And it's mostly because you can't leave them unsupervised at night. They, depending on the child, they could steal. A lot of times they um, binge food. They get into things. Um, I know a foster family that has door alarms because one of their children um, is a... um, He's a public masturbator, but he's also like a... I guess he fits the 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 definition of sex addict in that he will masturbate until he's until he hurts himself. And so one of the things he does at night is he sneaks out of his room and like tries to get porn on the computers. And so like they have to put door alarms on so that they are notified that he's left the room. And so this is the first time I've ever had to deal with something like that. Um and it has a lot to do with the sleep training. Uh, sleep training like a 10 year old is a lot, you know, like by the time you're 10, you should be able to like take yourself to sleep. But if you've grown up in a place where you sleep with like eight other people in a pile on the floor every night and, and you kind of just run around till you fall asleep, it is hard to like get you in a routine of going to sleep. It is hard. Those things are difficult. And so like I've told a book, I have so many caseworkers, but as I've told my caseworkers, they are learning new skills they've never had to use before. They are doing things like when I, when I hand you a set of pajamas and tell you to put those on, that's new because you have to understand if you are very, very poor, very, very poor people don't own pajamas because they, you can't afford to own clothes that do different things. If you understand what you get, what I'm getting at here. And so like you often just sleep in like, either what you're going to wear tomorrow or what you wore today or something like that. And so like when I'm saying you need to take a shower and put on pajamas and you, and they're like, well, we just want to put on our school uniform for tomorrow and sleep in that. And then we'll be fine. And like having to explain that, having the push and pull of like having to do them do things that they've never done before. And then also things I've never done before. That stuff is all emotionally taxing. I will say that, I am, this is going to be the oldest I take. I'm not doing, like, my, I've, I've had teenagers under my care before, but never in a formal foster care environment. And it's very different than when they're placed with me and I'm not respite or something like that. It's very different than the younger set, which is why it's so hard to place teenagers because a lot of people don't want to deal with them at all. And... I always thought that as my adoptive kids get older, as they move from elementary school to uh, like middle school and stuff, I'll start taking, uh, my age will go up. And 
two, I don't know that I'll still be fostering that long. I never knew that, but now I really don't know. I'm like ready for another break. And did I just start with two? One, I don't know if I'm gonna be fostering that long. And two, I don't know that I wanna be fostering middle school and high school kids because I'll just say, I don't wanna be parenting sexually active children. And I know that, I know that I will be parenting sexually active children because I have adopted kids. So of course I will. But my, the way I envision it and the way I hope to have it is that I will have a framework in place by the time they're 15, 16, 17 years old. And that we will be at the point where emotionally they are fairly independent. And so they will be able to do things. And I will be more of a life consultant than someone that's like, okay, now let's make sure we brush our teeth. All right. Did you, do you have on two of the same socks? Let me look. Yes, I believe you, but I also like to check. Oh no, you don't have two of the same socks. You lied to me. So let's go get, like, I don't, I'm not going to be doing that for 16 year olds, obviously. And I expect them to be, um, as independent as possible while I'll be like kind of a net for them so that they can make all these terrible mistakes while I'm still here to help them. And then after that, they'll be like, that's how I, I intend to parent like sexually active people. I don't intend to parent sexually active people. Like I need to check and make sure that you washed your body today. And, and that's, that's not something I want to be doing. Um, I don't know if I'm rambling here. I don't know if you guys get what I'm putting down here. So I probably will not be, um, I'm also like, obviously if you're fostering, like all kids can be sex trafficked, but I'm dealing with experiences of, like I've never had a placement where sex trafficking was a possible, there it's always a possibility where sex tra trafficking was likely and it is really, really, really hard. That's all. So um, this is probably the oldest I'm going to be going and I will probably be taking another break and um, probably after the summer. So all that to say that's like really emotionally exhausting. And so I've just been tired all fucking week and like people that you love and that you work beside and they're like getting laid off and A lot of people don't realize jobs don't care about you. It's why I like being a freelancer. Like jobs don't care about you. They're first of all, jobs are not people. Like like you don't have a relationship with the corporation you work for. Um and so like I guess what I'm saying is like when a job don't love you, call out shit. <laughs> Eventually they're going to have to let their eventually like things happen. And sometimes you get laid off and you're sitting there acting like this is your family. It's not your family. It's a place you worked. Come on. It's really hard. Like being like a, a bystander in that. And obviously it's not as hard as someone who's lost their job. So let me leave it at that. I'm just like, like I said, it's been exhausting. Um, yeah, I think that's all the news I have. You know, I was talking, I was talking to someone about um, when I used to do spelling tea and how 
like the first sometimes 30 minutes of the episode, I'd just be rambling about my life. And they said they really missed it. And I was like, well, why? I was just, I don't know why I let myself talk that fucking long about what I've been doing that week. But um, that person told me, a couple of other people were like, they really missed those, like, when I would just talk about my regular life stuff. I don't know, maybe I'll do some Princess Diaries type shit every few weeks and just do a bonus episode where I just talk about what I'm doing. And if you guys find that interesting, please let me know. If you will not find it interesting, you can also tell me that too. Again, my Instagram is bypumpkinpodcast and you can DM me and I'm getting better about checking my DMs. Let's get on to the damn episode. So we're talking about episode four, Breaking Bonaduce, season one. The episode's name is No Time for Love. And they do like a little recap at the beginning um, that reminds us that Danny has been sober for six months. Six months? Yeah. Um, and if this is sober Danny, I'd hate to see him on a bender. Also, I bet he's like a mean, angry drunk, which is the worst kind, in my opinion. And I know a lot of drunks. So my stepfather's family is like, it is a family disease. His father was one. My stepfather is one. Uh, many of his brothers and sisters are. And they, yeah. Um, my biological father um, was a was a drunk. Um, my stepfather is a sad drunk. And by is, I mean, like, he stopped drinking when I was, like, eight years old. But I remember very carefully, not carefully, that's the wrong word. I remember very clearly that he was a sad drunk. And he would drink, and then he would start to cry. And he would start to talk about his family, and his mother died when he was very young, and he would start to cry. My mother, who suffers no fools, <laughs> just hated it. Hated it. Um, my biological father was a blackout drunk, which is why if you ask him about why he's in prison, he doesn't have a whole lot of details. So, and this explains why I am someone who doesn't, who maybe drinks four times a year. Um, I got my own vices, okay? But alcohol is not one of them. I remember when I was like, I was like seven or eight. I don't know if I've told this story in the podcast. I've talked, I've told this story a lot of times though. Like Danny, I know my stories pretty well. But um, when I was like seven or eight years old, I remember hearing like a lot of noise and glass breaking downstairs and I got out of my bed and I walked down the stairs. I don't know who told me to go investigate this bullshit. I don't know why I thought I was suddenly a member of the Scooby-Doo gang, but I did. And I went down the stairs and my stepfather was sitting in this pile of glass in the kitchen and he was crying. And I ran over to him. His name is David. Um, we call him Big David. And I said, Big David, what, what what's going on? And like, he's blubbering and crying and he smells like a lot of alcohol. And I'm like trying to get a story out of him. I am like trying to get him to explain to me what's wrong so I can help him, which is another thing. Um, like... Why do I think I should be helping this adult? But this it's the how I was. It's a parent, I was a parentified child all the way. And so, like, I'm, like, talking to him, and it's, like, gibberish. And I'm, like, fine. I just, 
I'm thinking, oh, I can't help this. I can't, I can't do anything about this. So I remember patting his hand and going, okay, I'm going to go get mama. Mama's going to know what to do. I'll be right back. And I run up the stairs to my mom's room and I wake her up and I go, Big David is downstairs. He is crying and he smells like liquor. And, and she's like, oh, she rolls out of bed and is like, get in your bed. She goes down the stairs. And the next morning, um, he came and he apologized to me. And uh, within weeks, um, he'd had an incident at work. My father, my I'm talking about my stepfather. I call him my father. My father was in the military. And when you're in the military and you have trouble, it's a big deal. It's like, it's one of those things where if like you owe money to like um, a company, they can call like your, your, um, the words of, or I can't remember the words right now. Uh, the guy you report to, they can, they can call him and like, he can force you to, like if someone, if you are, if you are not, if you, if your ex-husband is in the military and he's, he's not paid your child support, you can call his, um, the officer he reports to and they can, and like, uh, being in the military is not like being like at some other job. And so he had an incident, um, with alcohol, maybe a couple of weeks later, and he was ordered to dry out. <laughs> and, um, he had to go to Italy. He was doing, um, he was going to be stationed there shortly and he dried out in Italy and he hasn't drank since. Um, I believe they call it a dry drunk. Um, it's when you or not dry drunk. So a lot of times when you just stop drinking and you have like all these, um, you still have all these things you need to deal with. And it's, and so my dad stopped drinking when I was like eight years old, but it's, it took him many years to work through all the stuff that was behind the drinking. Like, to him, I, he's one of those people that that feels like he's allergic to alcohol. He feels like he just can't have any. It's just, it's not going to work out for him. And he, I remember when I was little, he would always, like, tell me, I, he, he'd be like, well, you know, I had to switch to Kool-Aid. I had to switch to Kool-Aid because the liquor wasn't working for me. And that's the way he talks about it. He, um, he's not in recovery. He's not in like a program or anything, but I can't imagine. So I can't imagine, I guess I can't imagine being Isabella or Dante and being upstairs and your dad's like on a bender downstairs. You know what I mean? And I guess it's easier to tell my story because my dad's a sad, my dad's a sad drunk. He's the type of person that starts drinking and starts reminiscing and probably start crying. Um, he is not the type of person to like, I don't know, uh, bash out a window with his head. That's not, that's not his deal. And so like, I'm just thinking about how like, I know I'd hate to see Danny on a bender. He's probably scary. He's scared. I, I think he's a scary person to begin with, but he's probably incredibly scary when all his inhibitions have been taken away and he's like, you know, doesn't give a fuck about anything. Anyway, what the fuck was I talking about? Oh, the show. So we start off with the therapist saying that like Danny is lovable as a person, but some of his past actions aren't. And Danny just nods and kicks back a pill, like without saying anything. And 
The therapist is like, what was that? And Danny's like, oh, it was half a Vicodin. And to Danny's credit, Danny has never, ever, ever said that he, when he said sober, he's talking about alcohol. He's never, I mean, yeah, he was, you know, being coy about the steroids and lying by omission. But he's never said he's not taking a bunch of prescription drugs. Um, and I don't even know that Danny would necessarily be the type of person that tell you, well, it's a prescription, it's fine. I think he also understands that like that's a problem, but he also never told you he wasn't going to do them. Like, that's just not... I mean, maybe, and maybe if you, if he had asked to, if we got further into it, he'd be like, oh, this is for my hand. But I also wouldn't be surprised if Danny was just like, no, I like taking these. They make me feel better. So then Harry Hamlin's on Danny's show, and I forgot how handsome Harry Hamlin used to be. Not like, he's not my type, but I forgot like how people's sexiest man alive he looked, you know? Um, I actually think he's better looking now. I like, I like the look of a man who feels like he's already been through all this bullshit and he's like ready to stop fucking around. But I like that in general. Like I don't, puppies are cute, but I don't ever want a puppy. I always want an older dog that's already house trained because I don't want to do the puppy bullshit with you. I don't want, I don't want to deal with the fact that you thinking that you can go in my closet and shit in my shoes. I don't want to do that. I also like older cats who have got that wanderlust, that wanderlust gone out of them. And I like men that are mature. And for some of these fucking men, you got to wait for a long, long, long time. Um, anyway, Harry's telling Dee that he, Danny, that he, that he and Lisa Renna have plenty of time to fuck because the kids go to bed at nine. Now, obviously he's talking about Delilah Bell and Amelia Gray, both. Both the names of heroines in some Harlequin romance novel. I don't know about the rest of you, but when I was a kid, I used to love Harlequin romance novels. The little small ones, I could read like five of those bitches in a day. I used to love them. And I graduated to the um, bigger ones, the bigger, the longer novels. I never liked the historical ones because I was always like, I would have been a slave when this was happening. I don't, I don't like this, <laughs> but I always love like the premise, the setup. I love, you know, the reason I love them is the same reason I love like watching Investigation ID and Law and Order is because they follow a very predictable pattern and you kind of know what's going to happen. You know what the setup is. You know that the heroine's going to be named something ridiculous like uh, Delilah Bell. You know that there's going to be a meat cute. Um, in certain t- and then, then you get into the subcategories of stories. There's, there's always one where some woman meets a billionaire. She doesn't know he's a billionaire and they get together and then they have a baby and then she gets pregnant and people don't have abortions in Harlequin romance novels. And he forces her to marry him. Um, who was it? I, Demetrius, Demetria Lucas. Use is like she wrote a bell in Brooklyn and don't waste your pretty. Um, 
she has been writing about romance and, and relationships for such a fucking long time. And um, she used to edit romance novels. And she was talking about the difference between editing white and black romance novels and white romance novels. The um, male character was always like well off. Um, he was either a millionaire or a billionaire, or even if he was like a cowboy, then he owned like a big ranch. Like he was like financially well off. And the woman was always like swept off her feet, like by this financially well off person that would in a lot of ways kind of like, and in many of the stories like force her into a relationship and then she would grow to love him. A very like Beauty and the Beast type story. But in black romance novels, the woman would always be like a high powered something. Um, and the guy wouldn't necessarily have a lot of money, but he'd be like a blue collar job. And um, he would offer her like security, physical security. Um, I just thought it was really interesting the way she was talking about them. But I used to love Harlequin romances. And I remember I was reading one about a Cajun doctor and a woman who at night would be on like an Elvira type show. Like like she would um, host like a cable access horror show and she would dress up with like, she'd put her, she, you know, boobs up and out and like sexy lingerie and she'd talk about horror movies or something. But like at home she was just like a little mousy miss. And... <laughs> And now they fell in love. And my dad came in and was like, um, what is this? Because, like, my parents lost control of my reading, like, very fucking early. I remember reading Kramer versus Kramer when I was, like, 10 years old. <laughs> like, they just, like, were just like, she's just reading too much. Just let her be. And my mom just dropped me at the library, which I think was, is that illegal? Like, I would be like eight years old. My mom would just like leave me at the fucking library and just be like, I'll be back in like two hours. And I come back and I just have all these books. And she'd be like, how did you, how are you able to check out 75 books? What is the limit? I'd be like, the librarian likes me. And I just, I read whatever I wanted to. And no one ever was like, you can't do that. You can't check that out. You can't have that. And so I was like well into my romance novel days by the time my father realized I was. And he, I remember him picking up the book and being like, what is this? And I was like, it's a book. And he was like, what is it about? And I was like, well, she's a sexy cable access host. <laughs> and he's a sexy Cajun doctor. <laughs> and he was like, are there any pictures in this? And I was like, no, there are no pictures in there. And he was like, okay, all right, as long as there's no pictures. Just your imagination? I was like, yeah. And he was like, all right, all right, that's fine. And I don't know why he thought, like, me reading these words and imagining the stuff was better than if they showed me a picture of it. I don't, I still don't know why. But I just think it's so funny that, like, I used to get into these things. And the books were pretty cheap. I was also shopped at lifting a lot of books. It's just... And I was also, like, getting to the library and shoplifting books and, like, borrowing books. and like it, <sighs> I've stolen so many books, guys. Um, but, so, but the books were pretty cheap in general. And I could just, like, fly fucking through them. 
And on also, this is back when they actually had used bookstores that would like buy books all the time. They have them now, but it's like different. Um, I used to like speed through books and like just take them over to the um, the used bookstore, and I'd be able to like turn in three and buy a new one. You can't really do it's, uh, people buy used books, but not the same way. Why the fuck am I talking about all the books I've stolen and all the books I used to sell? Oh, Delilah Bell and Amelia Gray. Okay, okay, okay. So Danny is like, tell my wife that. She, she, so he calls up Gretchen and she's, and he's like, you're not as busy as Lisa Renna. And she's basically like, you're not, and you're not Harry Hamlin. But up, bump, bump. So, um, then you see Danny telling the therapist that they really don't have sex and that Gretchen's too busy. Um, she's about to turn 40, is planning a really big party with like a girl's party with everyone and they're buying a house. They're also selling a house. Like that is a lot to the handle. Um, she's got two fucking kids in case we forgot three, if we include Danny and she's all on the phone with all these, these like, just, you can see she's got a ton of phone calls and Danny's out there cleaning Dante dress. By the way, Kara Berry, follow her on Twitter, Kara B tweets, tweeted me and said, that essentially that Danny's kids' names are nightmares. And I'm about to look up their names because they are. I, I knew, I've looked them up before and they are ridiculous. Just hold on one second. He's definitely got a Wikipedia page. Oh, God, he looks terrible. Um, oh, he's being very good. Okay, okay. Yeah, we're going to get the names. Uh, Danny's probably a Trump supporter. Duh. Probably what you two are. Um, what else? Where are his kids? Looks like he was married to a Japanese woman in 1985. I'm just guessing. Her name is Setsuko Atori. Sounds Japanese to me. Um, this is probably the most interesting thing ever. Please join the Patreon. <laughs> Hold on one second. Let me just... Next time... Wikipedia is asking for money. I really need to pay them because they are. I can't tell you how, how many times me and my friends get lost in Wikipedia. Um, and then I have to be like, let me tell you the wildest shit about Mary's, Mary's teen person. <laughs> okay. So, oh yeah. Here are their names. I forgot about this. Ugh. His daughter's name is Countess Isabella Michaela Bonaducci. And her son, his son's name is Count Dante Jean-Michel Valentina, Valentino, excuse me, Bonaducci. Now, I realize my name is Princess. And I realize I'm about to go in on some kids' names, Countess and Count. 
well, I outrank them, so I will. But I'm just telling you, well, no, what me and Kara were tweeting back and forth was just like how those names are the names you wrote in your middle school diary about what you wanted to name your kids. It's like they were never allowed to name anybody anything. Like, it's almost like they never even had a dog or anything that they could name something. And, oh, guys, once this time, once this boss of mine wanted me to, like, adopt his dog. Like, he wanted to rehome his dog. And he decided that he need, he, he basically decided that I was, like, a good, like, target to rehome this dog to. But the dog's name was Prince. And so he kept pressuring me to, like, take this dog off his hand. And I was... And I kept, like, kind of, like, just being like, oh, no, I don't need a dog. Oh, no, I don't need a dog. And, oh, I'm sick. I can't talk about this dog today. And then finally I was like, yo, I can't get your dog named Prince because my name is Prince and people are going to think we're fucking. Okay? I just can't have a dog named Prince. I just can't. I didn't have that job much longer after that. Um, <laughs> but they... they these names are like Gretchen never even had a dog, never got to name anything, and had to use all her middle school diary names at the same time. And I'm not just going to put this on Gretchen, Danny fucking too. Danny probably loved these names. Love these names. Count and Countess. Anyway, so Danny's out there with the kid. I mean, it's easy for him to be with the kid because, uh, he probably just got off the radio and she's had him all morning or whatever. And he's basically talking to, to Gretchen and he's saying, let's go take a bath at the new house together. And she doesn't really have time to do it. I mean, she like, I think she let him down pretty easily, but the way he was asking her was a lot like a kid asking you if they can have a second dessert. Like he looked like, he was like, yeah, we can do this. Come on, come on, mom. And she was like, I can't. And he, she doesn't even finish telling him she can't do it. And he just walks off. He just walks off. And, like, he's really pissed off about it. Um, I, I just think that, like, I don't know. I just think that, like, it comes off like Danny honestly thinks he, he just really wants, like, her to, 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 like, take time out of that and make him a priority, which is, one, understandable, but also, like, she's drowning in stuff. And, like, he seems like the type of person that doesn't realize that when you buy a house, you don't just, like, sign a paper and buy a house. And when you sell a house, you don't just say, come and get it if you want it. Like, you, it's all kinds of shit that has to be done. And, like, she's the person that has to do it. And then, but she's the bad guy because she can't stop doing those things to go take a bath with you. And then also, like, are you acting in a way in which she wants to take a bath with you? Why did why would she want to go take a bath with you when you act like an asshole? I don't know. And then he he's like upset about it. And therapy Gretchen starts crying because she's like overwhelmed and she just doesn't think the relationship's going well. And Danny is mad. He says that they were pretty happy with small moments of, un of unhappiness before therapy. And now they're unhappy all the time with small moments of happiness. 
And the therapist says that this is normal. And just like I said last week, I think it's normal too. I think that once you stop ignoring things and burying things and start holding them up to the light and like, like examining them and being like, what the fuck is this? Then things do get worse, but then they get better as you start to like acknowledge what's real instead of what you've been pretending. Um, the show, they show a clip of Danny doing press for this show of saying that therapy is really, really working because Gretchen is coming to her senses and will probably leave him. This is one of the things I'm talking about this show. Um, I was really excited to do this show because I loved how much they broke the fourth wall and I don't think they intended it like that. I don't think that they said, let's go make a show within a show where we show you all the nuts and bolts. I think, and we'll get to it a little bit later, I think Danny is the type of person that forces you to do things like that because he's not going to play by the rules. Yeah, you're recording him and stuff. He's going to yell for the director. And you can either lose this part or keep it in. And it turns out those parts are the most interesting part. We'll get to that part as we get further into this episode. Um, the therapist says that Gretchen is doing a lot, staying busy, but doesn't take care of herself. And she's right. She's go, go, go. She never stops to nurture herself and he wants to do more of it. I can like relate to Gretchen a lot. I am a busy bee too. I like to be busy. I always have a million projects. I like being busy. I think one of the differences is that one of my pro, a lot of my projects are for me and they're not centered around other people. Like this podcast is one of my projects, one of the fun things I do that I want to do for myself. That's not about like making sure my kids are eating or making sure my husband's going to the doctor. And maybe the band has become that thing for Gretchen. Um, I don't. Later, Gretchen says that when he, Danny was having the affair, he had said something to her like, what do you even do? Like, what do you even do all day? And because he and the woman he was having an affair with would like do stuff. They like, I don't know, they go bungee jumping or karaoke singing or what they go, go kart racing, Liz. <laughs> They'd be doing these activities and Gretchen didn't really do anything because the fact is her husband wasn't there and she was raising these kids and she was like keeping this household together. And now she's doing stuff. And Danny doesn't really like it. I think Danny wants her undivided attention. And he can't always get that. She's, she's got a lot of shit going on. Um, so, Dan, so the therapist tells her to do more for herself and she goes to the hairdresser. He, the hairdresser... Why did Jersey Licious just pop in my head? Do you guys know what Jersey Licious is? You know what Jersey Licious is, right? It's... Oh, my God. It was so bad. It was so staged. Okay. It was about a Jersey hair salon, and it was during the heyday of... Well, I don't know if it was during Jersey Shore heyday, because I never watched Jersey Shore. I can't watch a show where... All where what all the people do is go out. I can't do that because I can't relate to it. I don't. It doesn't seem real to me. It doesn't seem interesting to me. Um, I stopped watching the Real World 
when they stopped having jobs to do because I can't just watch you go out every night because what is that even I, I don't even know what that is. I don't I don't I, I can't release that at all. But um I guess Jersey Shore was big. The Real Housewives of New Jersey was big. And what was it? Was it Style Network? Had a show called Jersey Licious and it was about a New Jersey hair salon. And that's the small synopsis, but it was so much more than that. I don't know why it just popped in my head. Maybe it was because um, Gretchen's hairdresser is like a stereotypical gay hairdresser. He's he's just like talking to her with that sassy like stereotype vibe. Um, and he's like, if it wasn't for you, that little Partridge boy would be dead. And then he's just like all casual, like, has he cheated on you yet? Do we know? Oh, he has? He's cheated on you? She's a slut. And I, I, it was like we, we fell into an Adam Sandler comedy. Like, it's like he'd been hired to say these lines. It was very strange. Um, I don't know why they kept the scene in either, except for Gretchen saying, you should be careful whose husband you screw because the wife might get a reality TV show. So that makes me think that they were talking a lot more about the woman Danny had an affair with and maybe saying her name or saying identifying characteristics, thinking it would get on TV. But it doesn't get on TV because, like, the production company and the network have a lot more to lose than, like, Gretchen and Danny do. Like, they don't want to be... It's fine to talk about the situation and describe some things that happened, but you can't be like, well, her name was Rebecca Smith and she lives at so-and-so, blah, blah, blah. Like, they don't they don't want to deal with that. They want you to run into her on the show. They don't want you giving identifying characteristics about the person. So in Danny's whole session, he's saying he doesn't know if he wants to keep this marriage and that if Gretchen actually slows down, starts to think, she'll question whether she wants to be with him, which is something he's been saying all along. And yeah, it's true. It's fucking true. But Danny, dude, if she doesn't want to be with you, you don't want to be with her. You don't want to be with someone that you aren't sure wants to be with you. I don't, I think he thinks Gretchen changes him and maybe she does. No, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that because the fact is you can't change people they only change. But I think he thinks Gretchen adds respectability to him and that perhaps the way she's cared for him throughout their marriage is more than anyone's ever cared for him. And so, I don't know. I I can't, like he's terrified she's going to realize she doesn't want to be with him. But like I said last week, he talks about Gretchen like she's an idiot. Like the therapist is going to tell her not to pee with him and then she's going to be like, okay, well, thank God someone finally said it. I'm out of here. So they're at home. Max, and I think there's a weird vibe in this. There's a weird vibe. Like they've been fighting all day or something. 
and we're now we're caught at the tail end of the fight. Like after you've already yelled at each other and went to a different room. And so Danny walks in the room and Gretchen is getting ready to leave and he just goes, will you be drinking tonight? And she says, no, um, I won't be drinking. I'm just going to practice and come back. Danny focuses on her drinking like she too has a drinking problem. You guys noticed that? And did I miss something? Does Gretchen have a drinking problem? Like, Danny, the reason everybody asks you if you're drinking is because you get drunk and get wild and can't control yourself. I don't, it doesn't seem like Gretchen has the same problem. So she's like packing things up and she goes outside to leave and sits in the car for a second and kind of sighs. And then like almost like she starts, she's tearing up. And then Danny kind of runs out there. And I guess they thought they weren't going to be filming Danny and Gretchen together like that because suddenly you see like camera crew running after him. It's a woman. And as she runs out the door, he yells, no, like he's talking to like a mischievous dog or something. Like, like when you open the door and you know your dog is going to run behind you, and you're like, no, no, you know, you're not supposed to go, no. And the setup is kind of weird because she's standing on the doorstep on the stairs filming Danny as he's walking out there and he's yelling at her but we're watching this through another camera setup so that means someone is filming a camera person filming Danny that's a weird setup I don't know how we got to that part um so he starts to yell and he gets in Wrecked Ralph mode that's that's what Danny looks to me looks like fucking Wrecked Ralph sometimes where he's just like, I'm gonna wreck it. And he's like screaming. I said, no, back the fuck up. What don't you understand? And somehow we get to the point where there is a shot of him and Gretchen. And he's telling her not to go. That she's not a real part of the band. They don't even pay her. And she doesn't have to go. And he says she does. And she's like, I, I have to leave. And so she leaves. And he just stands outside in this little, this weird little kid voice saying, don't go. And the camera watches her. She drives off and she's crying. Gretchen says, well, this is the part I already talked about this where basically he thought she never did anything and he was the only one doing something and now she's doing something. So Danny is staring in the space. Like just staring in the space out there. I don't know where Dante is because the way they, I don't know where Isabella is. I don't know. Do they have a nanny? Like, is he supposed to be with the kids or I don't understand what's happening. But um, then he just gets on a skateboard. And maybe I wasn't like paying attention or whatever because I don't even know where that skateboard came from. He just has a skateboard. And I think it's like, is it electric powered or gas powered? He's got a, a, a Jimmy Jobby, a piece of something that he kind of like, hits and then the skateboard goes he's not wearing a he's not wearing a shirt he's just in the fucking street he like the next thing we know he's just in an intersection like it's a busy intersection he doesn't stop he just goes in the intersection 
Um, he does get off the skateboard, but he just like walks into people are honking their horns. Now maybe that's they put that in later, but it looks incredibly dangerous. There's a part where he's um, getting off the sidewalk, and there's a car driving, and it has to stop because he's like in the street now. And I remember watching. So when I watched it the first time, I lived in Virginia Beach. Okay, so in the state of Virginia, obviously, or maybe not obvious to everybody, but that's where I lived. And in the state of Virginia, you can't buy liquor anywhere but the ABC store, which is the alcohol and beverage control store. Like, you can't just go to a corner store and buy liquor. So that confused me, too, because Danny walks into a corner store. It's like a bodega or something like that. And he buys, like, one of those 20 ounces, maybe, of, of cranberry juice. And it looks like he buys vodka and he just pours it in there and then slams it back. Shotguns the whole fucking thing. And I was really confused by this the first time I saw it. It was only later when I moved to Chicago that I was like, oh, you can just buy liquor anywhere you want to in some states. You can just go in like a, you can just go in a Target. They're selling liquor. So, I, I guess we're meant to, to think this has started Danny on a bender, okay? Because next, there's a montage of him drinking and drinking and drinking at all these bars at home, etc. He's injecting steroids. They're using some royalty-free club music that will probably figured heavily in any Lifetime movie about drug abuse. Um, there is a very significant, <laughs> significant Lifetime movie starring Kelly fucking Martin. She used to be Becca on Life Goes On. And that's why I, when I saw it, I was like, oh, she's like branching out or something. Because she's like, she's like spiraling the drugs or something. And this is the type of music that would be playing all the time. Like when she would be high or dancing or something. They'd be to, to show us that she was out of control. This is the type of music they've got playing. And so the next time you see him, he's in the therapist's office. He's drinking coffee out of like a green coffee mug. And the therapist is talking to him. And suddenly Danny goes, you want to see a trick? And he hits himself in the head with the fucking coffee cup. And it breaks off in his hand. And the therapist is like, the therapist is like, oh, okay. And this is why, as much as I, I love, like, getting into the why of what people are doing and finding out people's business and talking about shit over and over again, I could not be a therapist. Because I would have been like, uh-uh, not up in here. <laughs> you know, lost your mind, sir. I couldn't have just been like, oh, okay, he's, he's acting out right now. I couldn't have even, like, my reaction would have been terrible to it. I, the therapist asked Danny if he's going to keep drinking and doing steroids. And Danny says he really doesn't know. And then the, ther the therapist is like, when you decided to do this show, you told me it would help others. And Danny interrupts him and is like, I never fucking told you that. This show is worth exactly the amount on my check. I want a show because I'm good at it. And I just thought I'd have another show. And that's it. And now my marriage is dissolving. And then he starts crying. This is probably the only time I feel bad for Danny Bonaducci in this, in this show. It's the only time. And it's a lot like feeling bad for... I don't know. Feeling bad for Freddy Krueger. 
Okay. You still scared of him? You still think you still think he needs to be off the streets? You still think somebody needs to do something with him? But I was like, okay, that makes sense. It you know why? It it rang of truth that you were that he was like, I'm gonna get another show, and I'm good at doing shows, and it's gonna show me and my wife and my kids. And yeah, we're gonna be in couples therapy and everything, but it's gonna people are gonna be like, Danny's such a good family. He thought he didn't think it was gonna turn out this way, and maybe it wasn't pitched this way. Maybe, and I'd love if mm, what's the name of that fucking podcast that does that goes that like talks to producers about about um, shows they've done. Hold on, let me. I've listened to it. Um, Russ Martin recommended it for me because um, because they had done one on True Tory when I was doing the um, the Tory Spelling podcast. And so like I started listening to it after that because I thought it was really interesting. It's called Exec Producer with Noah Pollock. Um, that's the name of the show. I would love if he did, because he did an episode where he got the producers of um, Celebrity Rehab, and that was really fucking interesting. Um, maybe one day he'll do one on Breaking Bonaducci. But I wonder if they pitched this show as a happy-go-lucky show. Remember, it's 30 minutes, and those 30-minute shows are rarely like drama-filled shows. They're usually like Tardy for the Parties, Chrisley Knows Best, that sort of thing. Um, candy ski trip, that sort of stuff. But I wonder if this show was pitched like that. But the footage they got back was like, no, 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 uh-uh, this is not gonna work. This is this is not gonna work like that. Um. So Gretchen's getting ready for the party, and she says she and Danny are in a terrible place. She goes through. She's going through it because she's been planning it a long time. And a lot of people are coming. She doesn't want to ruin everyone's time. Now, when she first started talking about this party, I thought it was going to be like this 40th bash, like, at like a venue and shit. This is like a sleepover. And I'm not saying she doesn't have a lot of people, but it's like 20 people? I don't know. I thought it would be like 100. I don't know why. But, so she's she's going to the, to the W, to her hotel suite, where all the girls are getting dressed in pajamas doing this stuff. Adrian Maloof is there. That's weird. Blast from the past. I... I don't know. Adrian Maloof is a mystery to me. <laughs> I almost, I'm laughing because I almost said, is a Maloof to me. <laughs> but she's like... Like, I remember watching her on the first couple episodes, on the first couple seasons of Beverly Hills Housewife and Housewives, the Housewives of Beverly Hills. And she left because the open secret in town, anyone knew her, is that she did not carry her, I think she's got sons, with Paul Mastiff. Massif, not Mastiff, Massif. Um, she didn't carry her sons. She used a surrogate. And... Brandy Glanville brought it up on camera and she and Adrian thought it was too much and then she refused to go to the reunion. I am just not a person that respects people who refuse to go to the reunion. And I just feel like 
I don't know. It always left a bad taste in my mouth. I don't actually. I should go back and watch those those seasons because I don't actually remember what Adrian was like on the show at all. But I do. I don't remember if I liked her on the show. I remember the last. My last bit of her was a nasty taste in my mouth, of her like, like refusing to go to the reunion. And when you refuse to go to the reunion, to me, you refuse to do your fucking job. You have to show up to the reunion. And so seeing her here, I'm like, oh, it's Adrian. I'm aloof. Oh, I do remember she got into Lisa Vanderpump. Mm-hmm. Because Lisa Vanderpump called Adrian Chewline the Maloof Hoof. And that was hurtful to Adrian. Yeah, it's just bullshit. All right, so that's, that's the type of part she, that Gretchen is having. Um, Danny, on the other hand, is hanging out with some guys named Scott and Mike. I don't, he slept at a hotel the night before, and these guys, I don't, was one of them on his show with him? I don't know. So they're going to a limo, and they're just going on a sabatrous night. Like, that limo, blast from the fucking past. Like, today, they would have had, like, a, a car, like, a, a black SUV or something. Nobody gets in a limo. Like, oh my god. Um, and so they're out, Danny's drinking, I'm assuming these guys know Danny has a drinking problem, and so him, like, running the streets, being like, I'm getting fucked up tonight, I, why is it one of them going, oh, yeah, I thought, I thought you stopped drinking, what's going on with that, I don't, so, like, they're, they're cutting back and forth from Danny and Gretchen. Danny is drinking. He's passing around pills. He's talking to some woman saying, get your hand off my cock. And and she's like, it's not on there. He's like, what do you think you're touching? Like, I, they're cutting back and they're cutting this with Gretchen sitting on a girlfriend's lap singing. <laughs> singing. What is she singing? Like, Jesus is good or something? Or Jesus loves me? I don't. Oh, God, there's a joy in my life. That's what she's saying. And I'm like, this is... So later, when we find out that Danny is upset, I'm thinking about this and being like, you are so worried. This is... Anybody that is crazy, crazy worried about what their spouse is doing and they are doing this shit, you should know what the fuck they are. Any person that's always like, that's always like, there better not be any strippers there. There better not be this. There better not be that. It's because they know what they are. They know that they can't be trusted until they don't trust you. You cannot, someone who, someone who doesn't trust anyone can't be trusted. So, at some point, someone says like, what do you think Gretchen is doing? And Danny says, well, I'm calling her right now. And someone at the table, one of the guys says, well, the strippers are probably there. There, And Danny gets this look on his face. Like, no, the fuck, there aren't any strippers. And he calls her, and she doesn't pick up. And he yells to Mark, like I was saying, he's breaking the fourth wall. He doesn't care when and where he needs to break the fourth wall. He yells to Mark, who's the director, to contact whoever he needs to contact over there because Gretchen is filming. And that person needs to get Gretchen to pick up the phone. So it's 11.30 and the strippers are showing up. And Danny is still badgering the director. He's The director's like, 
uh, Jeff is telling her to answer her phone. And, but her friends keep saying, like, in a minute. And so we see the strippers are now on Gretchen. By the way, male strippers are gross. Male strippers are not cute. They are not sexy. They're, they're usually, like, they look like oiled up Ken dolls. And Ken dolls are sexless. Like the fact that they have no hair and they're, and even the way they're put together, I don't understand how male strippers are sexy. They don't even seem sexy. Like with women strippers, there is like an art to it. There's a way you show your butt. There's a curvature. Women strippers can be incredibly sexy. I've never seen a male stripper that was sexy. I've never in my life. So, like, I don't even get... I don't even get how this is a threat to Danny. I don't even get how these sexless dolls, oily dolls rubbing on Gretchen, tanned to high heaven, are a threat to... To, to Danny. Like, the fact is, Danny actually might fuck that girl that had, that had her, her hand on his dick. He actually might fuck her. The odds of Gretchen fucking these Ken dolls is zero, zip, none. I don't get Even Magic Mike. I didn't even find the guys at Magic Mike that were sexy. I, first of all, I enjoyed watching the movie because I'd never seen the movie and me and my husband were sitting on the couch and... He's like, let's watch a movie. And I'm a little drunk and I'm, because I'd had like a half of a beer. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, all right, I'll watch whatever movie you want. He's like, oh, look, Channing Tatum's in a dance movie again. Because he was thinking it was like Step Up. And he was like, oh, he's got a, oh, it's one of those things where you got to battle your way out of the hood. And I'm like, I don't think that's what Magic Mike is. And he's like, Princess, I know what I'm talking about. I'm like, okay, let's watch it. And so, like, I barely watched the movie. I just watched my husband watching it. I was like, mm-hmm. this is what you should, this is what you picked. But even then, like, I I get that they were, like, very naked in thongs and stuff. And Channing Tatum, or Tatum Channing, his name? What's his name? It's Channing Tatum, right? Channing Tatum, they call him Channing. Okay. Channing Tatum is a, moves well moves very well and I can see how that could be attractive but it just doesn't do it for me and I know that it, it probably doesn't do it for Gretchen either she wasn't flooding her basement neither were the other women they were just like they were just titillated at the idea you know what remember on the Real Housewives of Atlanta when Phaedra asked ridiculous that's how I say it because the dick is in the middle it's not ridiculous it's ridiculous ridiculous to come to Candy's party and her mom was there and he dipped his dick in somebody's drink and then sucked it that wasn't sexy either actually but I was still like oh so something's happening and so I'm, I'm babbling I'm just saying that like I just don't think it was that big of a deal but um, Danny's screaming he's going to the W right now, the hotel right now. And Mark is saying, well, we're not going with you. 
which is like, okay, Mark, you must be bluffing because if he's going to the W Hotel to break that shit up, you need to follow him with the fucking cameras. What kind of fucking director are you? Or maybe he was saying that because they've been filming for so long that day. And he's like, we can't go with you. Because, you know, there are union rules about how long you can film. Um, and then Danny is like saying he's going to W right now. If they don't go, they're going to miss the cops because he's going. And that's kind of where we leave off. Um, next week we pick up Danny has these crazy eyes in full record Ralph mode. And he's running into the W screaming that if a man is in his wife's room wearing less than a turtleneck, all hell's breaking loose. And so I'm, I'm sure I'll get plenty of opportunity to talk about hypocrisy next week. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Guys, thanks for listening. Um, I'll see you next week.